The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Welcome to A Guided Life Podcast, where we talk about all things spirit and life. I'm your host, Laura West. Follow me on Facebook at GuidedWest11, on Instagram at GuidedWest, and on Twitter at LauraWest111. I also have a website at www.laurawest.net where you can download a free guide on how to meet your own spirit guides. My book, Guided, is available on Amazon and it's about soul teams, intuition, mediumship, and spiritual tools such as oracle and tarot cards, crystals, pendulums, and so much more. My guest today is Isaiah. Now, Isaiah is a spiritual life coach and energetic communicator specializing in the quantum states of being. She is a spiritual creator and a monk at heart who has had the rare privilege of living in energetic spaces, practicing the peaceful inner pathway that leads to living heaven on earth. That sounds amazing. Heaven on earth. Thank you, Isaiah, for being here today. You're welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Yay. Well, I would... First, love to start and hear from you who Isaiah is, what Isaiah is, however you want to explain all the amazing things that you've been up to these days. And for people who maybe don't know who you are, what would you like for them to know about you? Well, it's quite an amazing question because honestly, it is a question I ask myself every day. (laughs) (laughs) And every day, a new awareness or a new answer comes forth. and so it's not, um, I, I guess the, the aim isn't really to define who we are, but is to allow others to experience the parts of ourselves that kind of light the world up around us. And for me, um, when I finally started to understand energy and I could embody what my experience was and then learn language to articulate what that was, life finally started to make sense. So with all the kind of stuff that I talked about in the beginning piece, life to me is really just about being connected to the bigger part of who we are and to learn honestly how to walk with that. I think that's where the heaven to earth piece comes from for me is I do believe that we're spiritual beings um, on a temporary experience as Isaiah. And so I love to explore the vastness of humanity, of my humanity, of my capabilities, and that curiosity kind of lights me up. Oh, I love that. Okay, so first of all, putting language and words to what we experience with energy, I feel like that that's quite an accomplishment because there are so many times that I find myself that I'm trying to translate things from spirit realm to physical and I just like I don't even know how to put this into words so to make those clicks and connections that's pretty profound I think and I do want to ask you when you say we are Isaiah who is we who are we oh I didn't even I didn't even know I said (laughs) (laughs) oh yes okay that's where we're going aren't we today oh Um, yeah describe this experience it's been quite a life I'd have to say and I actually changed my first name 12 years ago and it's so fascinating how a resonance you know like I am this changes the whole entire lens that our world walks and it feels like in a way that I've had two different lives and changing my name was this pivotal kind of embodiment of the larger piece of, of who I was. So I was gifted with this beautiful lineage and genetics and DNA from my birth family. And I feel very grateful to to be a part of that. I'm obviously still a part of it. But energetically, 12 years ago, I decided to choose my own path. Um, and my name kind of embodied that piece for me. So I think what I love about the languaging is the part that I find the most fascinating about being a human being is that we have all of these tools, right? We have heart, we have a mind, we have, um, you know, feelings and intuition and sensory and, you know, hearing. We have all of these vastness of tools. And I find that when we learn how 
to use our own tools in our own specific way to be able to guide us to a life that feels more authentically ourselves, then I think that's where the language comes from is that the brain is an incredible, you know, the brain, the mind is such an incredible tool and it works best when it lives in its lane. And I think sometimes in my previous life, my brain tried to take over the whole world, which we <laughs> somewhat see in the outer world right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's you a good way of looking that? at it. Yeah. I was going to say, that's a really good way of looking at it as the brain trying to take over things that maybe the heart's intended to, to lead or, or something like that. I don't know. That's, that's a really, really interesting way to look at it. So I'm curious, mm -hmm. was it sort of like accumulation of things mm -hmm. leading up to 12 years ago? Was it this big aha moment that 12 years ago, this shift happened in your life? Um, for me, I had a traumatic experience when I was about five. And I saw my first angel. And for me, what that experience was like was I felt so loved so taken care of, though I didn't feel that in the human world. Though I have great people in my life, um, unconditional love came to me more from the angelic realms and the softness of my spirit needed unconditional love in order to survive this planet. And so I'd always kind of had a sense that um, something just wasn't in alignment for me. And I understood like vibration and energy. So when I was younger, I really struggled with what I felt, what I knew to be true. And then the words and the language that people would say around me, like, I really find it challenging when we ask somebody how you're doing. And they're like, fine, thanks. As they walk away, because just in the imprint of asking the question, they literally lay out what's really going on but we didn't ever talk about it. And so as a younger person, I was super confused. And then you layer on trauma that breaks us from our spirit. And so we walk through life uh, disconnected from ourselves. And because I had that experience so young, I only trusted energy. I only trusted what I felt because the world was a really unsafe place for me. And so I think more you know, I, I believe we awaken in stages and it kind of like is like this beautiful organic unfolding of a flower. And, you know, when I was five, that was the first um, need, I guess, to start to unravel that flower. Maybe before I, I may have had my life been a bit different, you know, and then it happened again pretty intensely when I was 18 and, um, you know, traveled uh, in Southeast Asia and had a lot of kind of energetic, protected, out-of-body, pretty crazy experiences um, that kind of connected me with lineage, with spirit through lineage, through memories that I'm not sure how Isaiah even knew what was going on or where to walk and where to go, because it certainly was never, you know, a logical country she had ever been to. And so then, you know, these things start to unravel, because for me, the big awareness was super simple. Like, at the first stage was just finally my brain realizing that I could be happy and I, I I resist a little bit sharing that story as if it would be that simple for everybody because everybody's mind and journey is so unique and we need to really honor that so I'm not saying that being happy is a choice for everybody for me the awareness came from that I didn't actually realize I had a choice I had lived a life up to then where everything happened to me everything was pushed on me, forced on me. There was really no freedom, no ability to think for myself or to choose. It was survival. And then all of a sudden, I kind of traveled, you know, just backpacked by myself for, for a while. And then it came to, oh my God, I actually can choose. So for me, that just started everything. Um, and I'm 45, so the name came later. <laughs> How profound and how amazing. And I do like that we sort of shed away that expectation of what it's supposed to look like, because you're absolutely right. Everybody's experiences are different. And a lot of people that I have on here have taken years to get to where they are. I mean, their whole life, right? Their whole life to get to where they are. So kind of getting rid of that misconception that, mm -hmm. you know, even though 
us talking about it now is happening in minutes. <laughs> it really was this years long process to come to that realization and to get to that place of, of where you are. So backpacking. So the idea of, and you did it alone. Yeah. Okay. So I admire that <laughs> so much because I think that that just shows from my perspective, so much courage. So can you tell me about that process from deciding that you're going to do it to then doing it and then doing it? <laughs> well, I think what, what I love the most about awareness, self-discovery and the journey is to be curious about how oneself processes it. Not So at that time, I was a drug addict. Eek. Um, and so my brain, that logical part of who you are that can actually think things through properly was not really intact. And I used to think it was because of the drugs. And now I realize it's just not actually how my brain works. So even if I was sober, I'm not sure the process sure, would have sure. been much different. So that mm -hmm. was an interesting awareness because I used to always just say, oh yeah, okay, that was, <laughs> those were those times. Um, I don't, to be honest, like, I don't know because I wasn't consciously awake at the time. So when I decided to go, somehow I decided to take public transit in Thailand. I don't know why. Like you have these lonely planet. I don't know if anybody my age remembers the lonely planets. Well, the book is in English and all of the signs in Thailand, of course, are in Thai. So you have your silly little English book. Like just the, I feel so this is how I knew I was um, deeply loved because I don't even know how I made it out alive, really, because I was not that intelligent when it came to like, you know, I have, you know, a sister in my life who can plan these trips and it's the most gorgeous detailed thing. What does Isaiah do? She has a feeling. So she gets on a plane and I get on this bus. I thought, I don't know why I didn't want to take a taxi. I was like, I'm just going to get on a bus. And the challenge is, is you don't know when to get off the bus because you have an English book. And I was staying in a hostel, not in a tourist area, didn't know that either. And so I'd get on the bus and then it dawned on me. Thank goodness, I don't have a lot of fear. I, I don't, um, my system doesn't run through my mind. So my intuition must have just kept going. And people would beautifully, kindly just start like tapping my backpack and pushing me off the bus. And I was like, oh, okay, I guess this is done. And then I would stand there, walk around a little bit and get on another bus and then after a while I got pretty good I would just wait until <laughs> they would tap my bag and the Thai people would be like yeah knapsacks don't go in this area it's time to get uh -huh. a bus and then I would get off the bus and I think I took about seven buses and when I look back at the trip the amount of angels that I remember I remember going down this one place and there's these tracks and there's these small little cabined kind of huts kind of and I remember walking around a corner and there was this older woman who was missing most of her teeth and she was playing with these little bricks and clacking these kind of noises and when she looked at me I literally remember her hearing her say not on this side of the tracks go this way and go now and when I then I was like okay so I I just because I had I don't know what I was doing it's like I said my brain wasn't fully intact anyway so I'm walking and I can start hearing like trucks and things happen and when I turned back behind me, she what? was gone, like gone. What? And I was like, so, and this is just one of the stories. And so what was fascinating is by the time I got to this place, I'm just going to share yeah. this because it popped in my mind. There was a festival for a king or a prince or something. And it was, I'm now in this town hall. I've been now walking for 14 hours. I like salt crystals because of course I didn't bring water because like, you know, in the nineties, you didn't, it wasn't like you had your own bottles like we do now. Right. And that, you know, and I didn't think of it obviously. So yeah, we're, we're kind of like getting a little bit like, hmm, this could be a problem. And there's this huge festival and like the posters and the whole entire community is gathered to celebrate. And uh, this was the first time a little bit of fear was like, oh dear. Okay. It's, it's, you know, coming to the end of the day. What was interesting is and I obviously made it and there's a couple more miracles that got me to where I needed to be but a couple years ago when COVID hit I met a lady down physically where I live and we became a winter swimming partners one day I'm at her house for dinner and she says have you ever been to Thailand 
And I was like, actually, I have. So I told her all the angel stories because she wouldn't let me stop. She was like, okay, tell me the whole entire thing. And there was probably about three things that landed me safely that day. And she was like, and she described the event. What? What? And she was What there. are the chances? What are the chances? Oh, my God. This whole trip was this. Oh, it's, I love it's, so that, wow. that I was like, uh, so you know what? sometimes we're so loved and so protected that you know that's why sometimes you just kind of let let the mystery be the mystery and just say thank you and you can't deny the the uh i want to say interference but you know the the good interference i guess that we can get from spirit and the support yeah like you can't deny it when things like that happen and like that woman was gone when you turned around that's insane insane you understood it so it must have been given to you in english no it was in thai this is what's wild what (laughs) i know it is wild like because so this is this is what really helps me understand the power and the energy of connection so my friend is sikh and i needed clothes and she lives in vancouver i live on the island and so she was welcoming me into her community and so she took me to all these fabric stores and I was honestly, I don't think I've ever seen anything so beautiful in my life. The colors, the tapestry, the artistry of these colors of material. So we're in this community and we were kind of immersed in it, right? And and she was kind of helping me out because I can be a little bit, um, I'm not so used to people and different cultures have different sensitivities around touch sure. and personal space. Sure. Yeah. And so she was kind of, you know, warning me to don't worry if they come and touch you. It's not like, a, you know, it's just that they're just used to living with more people. I was like, okay, okay, I, I'm good. I'm good. I got this. It's going to be a, a loving day. <laughs> well, the whole community embraced us. And, and of course, there's millions of colors, but I'm only looking for white. So as we're journeying, journeying through the day, we're meeting these women and they're coming and they're smiling and they're laughing. Then they, then they start finding white and picking it out. And we start building this network of community. That at some point, uh, my friend's there, and she's talking to this group of women, and I understand every word she says. And I'm like, wow, that, like, wow, you know, you spend all day, and then they do speak English, so they just kind of included me, but I wasn't one of them, and that was um, their way, you know, as, you know, there was just so much love. It's like I kind of became one of them, so I thought, well, how neat that they would speak English to include me, because I'm in their world. So I go out my, to my car and I tell my friend, like, what an amazing conversation. And I'm repeating the things. And she looks at me. And she's like, you don't speak Hindu, do you? And I was like, I, was like, no, I, I do not actually. She's like, or no, it was Punjabi. Can't remember if it was Hindu or Punjabi. I'm so sorry. I'm, I don't speak either of them. And somehow, as we immerse into the energy and the appreciation of this culture and of these women and these people starting to come, I honestly, in this one pocket of time, I understood that conversation. What? <laughs> so I can't explain this any other way. And that's oh <laughs> my gosh, that is so cool. That's amazing. I wouldn't even know how to explain it either. But like you said, some things are just better left a mystery. <laughs> that's incredible. So part of your intro, you mentioned that you are a monk at heart. Can you explain that a bit more, please? Well, I'm certainly not a monk. Um, and so it's a little bit, you know, how people kind of want to better understand us based on what we feel comfortable. So I shaved my head in my early 20s. So I've had my hair like this more than I actually have had hair. And um, it's different in my culture and in my circle of friends. And I'm just really. I resonate to the practice of compassion, of loving kindness, of um, quiet and solitude and uh, practicing being mindful of my language and speaking from a place of creation rather than reaction. You know, so when I speak, I try to say, what, what do I want to create? What impact do I want to have? Not necessarily what do I need to express or what do I need to, to come out? And so, like, it's a practice, but I'm not a monk, as you know, I still um, do regular Canadian things. And so it's kind of like, you can't say you're a monk, because there's just such a dedication that they have that literally embodies absolutely everything. 
and I, I wanted to honor that, um, you know, I kind of have a foot in many worlds. And so, yeah, the monk at heart is just like, it's a, it's a natural commitment that I don't even have to practice because it just is who I am. It's what I'm curious about. It's what makes sense to my world, what makes sense to my life. Um, like today I watched a hawk eat a baby crow and I watched the whole thing for hours and it was a practice of how do you appreciate the strong and allow and recognize that the, the hawk was not there necessarily to harm but yet it did harm and then to watch the whole entire family of crows so when when they caught them they don't pass right away they they just hold them it takes it's a little bit of a process before and in the last shake where um where you know where this crow passed passed from the physical form and then literally the hawk flew up and the whole entire I don't like the word that they call a gathering of crows. So I'm not going to say the word, but like there's like 60, 70 of them and they're chasing. And what was so fascinating is I was like, okay, this is interesting because the little crow, like that first stage of his life was done. And yet the family did not leave and they kept going at it with this same thing. So now this, this hawk is in the tree. It's, you know, you can see him quite a tall tree and he's just sitting there holding what he needs to survive part of, of this of this pattern and they did not let it go like that family was there the cousins the aunts like not just the parents though you could definitely pick out the parents and it stayed for a while and then and the, the hawk did nothing and then all of a sudden the crows go and then the hawk starts to eat and it was like you could literally feel that everybody knew that the soul had transitioned and it was now an offering. And so, and the hawk knew to honor this offering. And, and, and then what was really interesting is this took probably about two, almost three hours for him to finish him or her, for the hawk to finish, um, you know, feeding and nourishing itself. And the crows never left. The intensity left, but at different stages, because of course then the ravens come, like there's a cycle to, to the energy of what happens the crows never left. And then the crows were defending the hawk and pushing the ravens away. Like when you start watching all of this, and so I can't even remember your question now because I kind of got lost and all that, but um, oh yeah, the monk at heart, the embodiment of recognizing that we tend to attach to one side of the story or the other. We tend to feel bad for the underdog. And I was in the monk at heart practice was just to be, okay this all exists and everything that i'm feeling is true but it all exists and to see the love and the memory that these crows had for their being and that they never let him go but that they also honored that this is also an offering of life that sometimes our lives are an offering to each other and so but there's a time and a place, you know, and, and you had also mentioned at the beginning, you know, why is it that we wake up in different times, you know, and different layers of time, and there's like a divine timing to things. And part of when we just stop and embrace the moment of life, you could literally, it's like I was being taught how to hold, which is what my practice has been this last couple of years of how to hold the whole entire cycle of emotion without changing anything like i'm certainly not going to go and rescue the crow and climb like a 40-foot tree that's not going to happen but then i also don't want the the hawk not to be fed so you're kind of in this battle and i feel sometimes life is like that so it was just this beautiful experience to just hold it all and witness yeah, and hold back on judgment right that the hawk is bad or that they did wrong to the crow and you know sometimes too like here where I live actually it's ironic because yesterday there was a whole bunch of crows out on, on my street a bunch and you you can hear them you know when there's a bunch and we don't have to say the word but there was a bunch of them and I remember thinking 
oh, this is interesting. Like, I wonder what the meaning of this is. Now, I don't always think that. Like, I don't see a bunch of birds and think, oh, there's a meaning to it. Sometimes there's just a bunch of birds. But this time there was something to it. I even took video of it because I was like, this is just amazing to watch. And I've seen crows chase off hawks as well. We've got hawks in a local pine tree over here. Mm -hmm. So you see them interacting and everything like that. But that idea of not judging one or the other and just witnessing and holding emotion that's quite a feat when you actually try to do it. Mm -hmm. To me, it reminds me, because the only thing I can think of that it would relate to would be when I do my meditative practice and I try to just be in the moment and let things just kind of pass by. It reminds me of that where you just kind of sit and like keep, keep those emotions still. I don't know, but that's how I can kind of equate it, I suppose. Um, when you talk about that, that's incredible. And you've been doing that for, you said, a, a few years now? Just the holding of all the emotion um, in all vulnerable, you know, being transparent, because sometimes we can put others on pedestals. And I would just prefer people just knock me down right away. Yeah. Actually, or maybe not build, it, build one at all. Um, because humanity is, is, a, is a journey that we all go on at different places. And you know, that's not really within our conscious control, right? So, so where I, because I'm a natural optimist, I, I always have been, even as a little person, which it's been a gift. In the hard times, it was a real gift. But what started to happen that I noticed was that I became, I needed to be super positive because I had a hard time with the depth of emotion and pain that I felt. So the optimism allowed me to keep going. And so I'm grateful that I had the mind that that was the first awakening that I had was around choice. And I guess it came to a point that maybe, maybe I, I became stronger. Maybe I became he, uh, like I had healed some of those initial or those, some of those outer pieces that my world didn't shatter so deeply when I felt things. And I started to realize that because the way I would describe it is so kind of like what you had said in your meditation that you just allow your thoughts to flow by. So let's imagine we're sitting in the middle of a field and all of those entities of ourselves, whether it's desires, whether it's hopes, thoughts, dreams, the future, the past, all of these entities we put into these like hot air balloons in front of us. So every time some piece of our humanity comes into, into our awareness, we take it and we place it into a hot air balloon. And so you start to look at your world with the thousands of these balloons. So the mind and the soul is like this empty, beautiful existence so that it can tell when something new comes in. And when it comes in, it floats in one of these balloons. Well, what I used to do before <clears throat> is if any of those balloons were negative or I didn't like them, I'd just pop them. I'd be like, bam! <laughs> <laughs> I know, I obviously didn't know I was doing this 100%, you know, but <laughs> now when I look back, I'm like, oh yeah, no, that's exactly what I did. So <clears throat> because I couldn't look at them, I couldn't just let them exist as balloons in my sphere that hurt it, and it swallowed me. Um, what I noticed is that my lack of capacity for those to where maybe some of those negative balloons were very prominent in their lives and it needed to be for them. Like, you know, I wasn't able to hold that. I wanted to change it all the time. So, oh, this doesn't feel good. Cool. Let's change this. And I know that our society has a real action oriented type of mind, which is more the analytical, more masculine type of energy. I understand that. <clears throat> so I have great compassion for myself that that was what I had learned and how I was behaving. But something never landed true for me in didn't feel at home, but I didn't know what else to do until I went into coaching school. And in coaching, they teach you to really see everybody as stewardess of their own world. They have everything that they need within and you are certainly not the one that is gonna help them find what they already know. So you become more of a guide. And there was just such wisdom that landed for me. So as I started to have conversations with others who allowed it to be about me, whereas I come from a very traditional family. So, um, <clears throat> you know, you say, oh, I'm sad. And they're like, great, you're wrong, fix it, done. And so when, then you join this coaching world and people are like, well, tell me how that feels for you. Well, and why does that occur to you? So no one's trying to actually fix you or change you. You're actually allowed to explore that side of your being 
in company with someone else who's going to kind of make sure you don't fall off the ledge. Um, at least that's how it felt for me. And so I, ha I had never had this type of listening or this type of space to explore. So in that, I realized that I actually have great capacity to allow all those balloons to exist. So it's been a practice to let them all be there. So when I was watching today, um, I was really trying to embrace like my own feelings and honor that, yeah, I tend to go towards the underdog. We all do. Um, I felt for that family that lost their little baby, but I kept also trying to remember the hawk and that's one of my power animals. And so it was kind of interesting. It wasn't an eagle, it was a hawk. Um, and so it was just like these interesting lessons to help us unfold. And um, that's how I would describe that, yeah. Oh, yeah, I absolutely love that. Now that does sound like hard work for people to have to sit in that, well, why do you feel that way? And, you know, allowing people to, to feel those emotions it reminds me of like shadow work or doing work to not just address the positive good stuff, which is good. So talking about having to sit in those feelings, that's not easy to do, right? It is easier to just try and brush it off. So I bet that does take some time to master. Do you find that a lot of profound aha moments come from sitting in those kinds of emotions, the ones that we would deem more quote unquote negative? Well, I think there's a fine line because I think when we allow things to be present as they are, they tend to lose, they tend to become a similar quality. And so negative and emo negative and positive start to dissolve as this and that. Um, when it was very obvious that I didn't like it and I would pop it, I started to create in this weird way, this, this block, not really consciously because it's like some people block the positive and you'll notice that because in conversation, they'll tend to complain a lot and you could see two beautiful things in front of you and they'll always pick the one, right? So we, it can go either way because I'm an optimist, it tended to go that way. Um, so in a way by denying something, we actually make it, we, I didn't, it didn't make it bigger in my life because I was blocking it, but what it did was it limited my capacity to love, to be loving to others. It never occurred to me that if somebody needs to sit on a park bench, but I just keep popping it because it lives in one of these balloons that I don't like, cause I don't know if it's on like park bench. I mean, I do, but I'm, this is the example. And I keep wanting to bring them to sit on the rocks. <laughs> it never occurred to me that. I might not like the park bench, but it never occurred to me that they may need to sit there. And so I didn't realize that it would feel incredibly unloving to those people that I adored, but maybe just weren't looking at life in the same perspective as I was. And it never occurred to me that it would feel as unloving as it did. And I think that was when the first awareness came is when I realized I don't like sitting on the park bench. But like I said at the beginning, if it if the intent is to love another and they need me to sit on the park bench, well, I'm going to sit on the park bench. I'm not going to become the park bench. I'm not going to embody the energy of it. Um, I'm, I still might limit my time on the park bench. I might, you know, because as we start to grow and shift, we can be in environments that aren't as comfortable with it having less of an impact. But at the beginning, I maybe only could handle a minute. But honestly, at the first before this, I wouldn't even stop. And I, and that never occurred to me. So, um, yeah. Can I be candid? Please. I am chomping at the edge of my seat. Chomping? I am sitting, chomping at the bit, <laughs> sitting at the edge of my seat, <laughs> chomping my seat. <laughs> to have it. to say that, and maybe you already know this, I'm trying to figure out which one it is. At first, it sounds like Angel living in a human's body, you, or a very advanced soul who has decided to incarnate right now. There's something about you, Isaiah, that is very, and, I, and I'm not intending to give you a reading, but I have to say this to you. So that's very much like you, you're so advanced as far as your soul and your, your understanding. The hard part is being that way 
in a human form. Like that's the hard part because then comes all the other stuff of being human. Like you mentioned, right? We've got all these beautiful parts, the brain, the heart, you know, we've got a physical body that we have to deal with. We've got relationships with different kinds of people who are on different journeys as well. But there is just this, I mean, you mentioned the optimism and I think that just comes with being so advanced spiritually from the other side. Yes, it's an optimism, but it's just a love. It's like this unconditional love that you radiate that it has to do with just where you are. And and I want to be careful with when we say advanced, like I don't want people to think that means she's better. It's not that at all. It's just where you are in your soul's journey. I feel like you're definitely an older soul. You spark a long, long time ago and your aura is blue. Blue to me means advanced. So it's like you, you're this advanced soul. And perhaps you just, it's been a while since you've been in a physical body. And I think that it's an adjustment for you. Um, But the blessing for humanity is that you're here and you're here in a way that you can interact with us and it's not through the way that spirit tends to interact with us right through the signs or through intuition or anything like that like you physically came here took one for the team to be here at this time to help humanity like when you're first talking and I was first sitting here watching because we're on camera so I could see you so watching you and listening to you I'm thinking, I think I've actually met an angel who's incarnated. I'm serious. <laughs> serious, And I don't do that lightly because for the longest time, to me, spirit guides always incarnated. Angels did not. Angels would come in human form for split seconds when we would need them. Similar to maybe like those experiences that you had on your trip where they were there for that moment and then disappeared. They took that human form for that time. But something about you is different. You're changing the way that I feel about that. I think that there are occasions when angels actually do incarnate, whether it's because society is in desperate need or I don't even know. I just, <laughs> one thing that I always say is you can't put limits on spirit, but I find that I was putting limits on angels. No, they don't incarnate. That's the difference between them and spirit guides. But I think I'm being shown something different today. <laughs> So thank you. (laughs) I think it's just the way that I see it is like your soul is so pure and so advanced. Gosh, it's almost like a blend of spirit guide and angel. I don't even know what I'm seeing, to be honest. (laughs) Or maybe that's what the we is. Maybe, maybe it's both. I don't know. I just feel like it's almost like learning to maybe you've never worn high heels before. And it's like wearing high heels for the first time. We're a little bit clumsy and awkward. I think it's just been a while since you've inhabited a human body. That's what it feels like. And it's so it's almost like learning to navigate being in this human body, then also learning to navigate in physical form, how to deal with humanity and how to help people in a physical form versus being on the blissful other side. It's just really, really incredible. I think that accounts for a lot of it. I think that accounts for your ability to understand people and their different languages. I'm getting really emotional over here. This is amazing, Isaiah. I think it just accounts for all of that. I think it accounts for why you get all the angelic help because it's your posse. Like you're one of them. That's why like they come and they help you. And it's amazing. Like you're meant to fly by the seat of your pants. You're not meant to be the one who plans things out because of your innate soul trust that you're going to be guided on the other side because of that strong connection that you have with those other spirits. I just think that this is just absolutely amazing. Absolutely amazing. I get to talk with you. Thanks for reaching out. absolutely amazing seriously this is crazy like I have never I have no I don't think I've ever come across anybody as advanced as you I just love that the love comes through I think that was a piece that we might have worried about when technology kind of took over that it would um the part that makes us precious humans the soft parts of who we are it wouldn't come through in technology and so I think that's the funnest part. I mean, obviously it would be different if we were face-to-face because then we could give each other a hug and that always feels different. But I know. I'm just like, <laughs> please give me a hug. But it's so neat that the energy still, <laughs> oh, still yeah. transcends these oh. beautiful devices, right? 100%. Mm-hmm. 100 mm-hmm. and million percent. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So 
So thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for doing this work. Thank you for, I mean, it's in a way it's kind of like sacrificing, like you could have stayed on the other side and been very content over there, but you decided to come here and it's hard. It's hard over here and you did it for humanity. So thank you. Well, we're starting. It's interesting because when, um, in the, in the bio where I'd said I was privileged to walk in energetic spaces and I found a mentor in my twenties and thank God, like I, you, that's when you kind of know a smidgen of who you are. When you look at the incredible people you have attracted, the people that love you, that, you know, and for me, it was the first person I met that matched. So what they spoke about and their energy was the same. And I remember being like, oh my God, you actually match because no one ever matches and they still don't, but I'm, I'm better with it now. And so I have spent, you know, 20 years just learning who I am, what that looks like, um, healing some of my own humanity, some of my own traumas, trying to figure out what all of this means. And it's a lot like, so yeah, the, the angels are definitely friends. Um, I'm very connected to the elemental kingdom. So fairies and dragons is kind of a big, you know, and there's just so much because I don't really believe I come from any of those communities. But I believe that when we are whoever, whoever we are, that there's friends in all realms. And I do believe that also in the human layer, too, it's important to have people who think differently, who feel differently, but the kernel must be the same. And so all the it was funny the other day I was laughing with my friend because I had decided that it was time. So like I said, to, to make sure I'm not distracting myself. So in January, when I decided to come back into the world and that I think I was solid enough in who I was to really trust that love and to, to I, I knew enough what took me off track because we're still human in this sense. And for me, it was usually intimate relationships that would just knock me on my butt. And I had to figure out you know, how to hold myself so that I could trust that no matter what circumstance I was in, I could hold my own light. Um, and in the first 20 years of my, you know, when I started to kind of figure this out from my 20s to my 40s, um, yeah, it got better, it got easier, but there were still things that would want me off. And then all of a sudden I get frustrated. I never get frustrated. And then I was like, okay, what's going on? Like, why am I frustrated? And, and so, you know, you and then that obviously starts to diminish, but I couldn't trust myself to 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 do the work I needed to do if something like a sexual attraction could take me off my center. Like that's not okay. And there were other things too. That's just the 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 biggest of them for myself for my particular being. So in January, I remember gathering the troops. Like when you said we are Isaiah, well, we just said okay. All of the loving presences that are in my life that that I adore that they you know you're more, just come on in like you know, and oh my god it was like stadiums and stadiums i have never felt anything i mean the universe is so vast but it doesn't have texture to it this actually had the between the layers form i think you know what i mean right like there's form like a human kitty cat or a person you can actually touch but then in that space they've embodied form but it's not into the 3d realm so they don't have bodies but they have form versus when you go into the universal thing and, and it's energy but no form oh my god it was like stadiums i was like oh my god there's that many of you holy <laughs> and i was like all right toledo which is funny because i have dreams of speaking in front of large groups of people and all i feel is all these and this is in form like real human people and all i feel is these individual grains of love like of each spark of person and it literally the dreams become so overwhelming because I am so in love I can't even move off the stage I just it's just the most beautiful thing so it was kind of funny that they showed up in stadiums and I was like okay I don't know what I'm supposed to do how I'm supposed to do this I love the way you describe that it's kind of awkward being a human yeah it's like super awkward but it's so much fun like I really like I, I still remember the first time I fell I was quite an athlete as a kid and my legs just like flew like things just went places and I could not stop laughing and how I mean <laughs> I've probably heard but you're younger yeah. so you bounce a little right so, right but that feeling of like oh my god they follow you like your arms <laughs> and I still remember like what a delightful oh experience but anyways oh, and so it. these these stadiums and and on serious I said you know I'm ready I can hold me now 
um, it's not about perfection. That's not really what it is. But I, I, I can trust that light that I can hold it so that it stays a light and not a weird thing, which I have experienced. And so, but I was like, you know, you got to call in the people because I don't know how to do that. Like, I'm not a good businesswoman. I'm like, I have this new coaching right? embodiment that I would like to offer, but I don't like, I'm like, I'm like, I got the <laughs> one piece. So how about we work together and how about we, you just bring them to me and then I will just love them. I'll do what I do. And then I'm like, okay. So then this started in January and then I ended up going to the Jay Shetty coaching school just because I just resonated. Probably because he had the word monk and, and he just had this lovely, lovely heart. So I was like, yeah, I can do that. Like within one hour, signed up, <clears throat> paid more money than I could afford. But I was like, all right, got to do this. And But it was just this like, yeah, I felt like a calling, like the calling of, of, of the of whatever I can do to, to help because I, I don't feel like humanity is in a desperate stage. I, I don't, I don't have that feeling at all. Now, granted, I don't watch the news, so that might help, but no, I don't feel that at all. I feel like we're ready. Like I, yeah, that's what the it optimist. feels like. Yeah, I know, I know. I, think I love I know. it. But you know, like, because you look at the people around you and yeah, okay, we're a bit lost. That's okay. You know, it's, it's been a bit tricky. Like our intuition has been a little bit um, um, hurt, you know, like we, we've had there's a lot of trauma in our feminine population, like just too much. However, what I have noticed too is the resilience and the strength that sometimes the, the healing or the repair is literally just a small shift in perspective. Like it doesn't, it's not a, like when they say the longest path is from the mind to the heart, I don't really that doesn't land with me because that seems like a really long way and in my experience so here's what I noticed today watching so I'm I'm sitting there on this walkway watching the hawk and of course people are always like oh what do you because I live on the west coast so whenever you look in a tree there's something cool that you don't see every <laughs> single moment right yeah and so people are like oh what's there what's there right and so of course I'm just sitting there chilling because I'm trying to just absorb all this energy and kind of yeah like the practice we've spoken about and so I see these two people a husband and, or a man and woman, I don't know if they're married, but a man and wife. And the man says, they, the woman's looking up and she's looking up. She's like, I can't see anything. I can't see anything. But they can tell there's something there because I'm literally just gawking up in the sky, right? <laughs> and the man walks by right in front of me and he says, it's impossible to see something through all those leaves. And they keep walking. And I look up and what do I see? The big red-tailed hawk. And it was the most fascinating experience because that was very honest. He truly did not see it to the point that had I not been there, was the hawk even there? I'm not sure. Like that's a little bit that can take us down, but you know, but it was it's a different topic. Yeah. Yeah. But it was his truth. And what it showed me was perspective. And then also because I had been staring at this tree for two and a half, almost three hours by this point, that I could now feel the difference between the cones, the leaves, his little tail. Because of course he was moving, right? Because it's hard to eat something in a, on a little branch. Like I never appreciated that before, actually, because I eat on a big plate, right? Um, <laughs> right. Like tried to eat on a little stick on the ground, which you know I'm gonna try because now I'm like, okay, I gotta try that because that's just fun. But <laughs> um, so it was fascinating because it was just such a reminder again that both truths exist, which is why it's really difficult um, to really take sides for anything. Or I have a hard time because you can see that there is truth everywhere, but for myself what I was just, I felt so blessed by, and maybe because I've, I had those experiences with those angels, is I always knew they existed. Therefore, they were always in my, in my, in my vision, part of my world. Like, it, you know, people yeah. are like, oh, is like, it's not, it's not bizarre to me that the veils between the worlds are very thin, because my perspective is that I've been looking at this tree for so long, that I can literally just look and pick out his tail, not because my eyes are so inclined, though they were, because it was a couple hours, but you can start to feel the difference because they start to become part of your world. So yeah. it was so, I just watched this man and with just such love that to him, it, it in that moment, it wasn't possible to see 
um, the hawk. And what was really fascinating was to see the woman because she wasn't totally sure about that. She didn't totally buy it. And she kind of yeah. looked at him and was like, and you could tell in her head, she's like, if he wasn't here, I'm sure if I kept staring, I would see it. But it kind yeah. of brought what it's like to be in relationship with others when one is so clear and then the other one's not sure. Should they trust themselves? Can you pull yourselves out? Like, could she just stop and say, hey, do you mind just continuing the walk around the boardwalk and coming to pick me up as I'm going to go and find this because it's part of my path? Like, anyway, it was just beautiful to watch. And I literally just looked up and all I saw was Hawk. That's amazing. And I'm sure that whole thought process was like happened in seconds. Split seconds. I love it. Well, you know, to help wrap up this amazing interview, Isaiah, mm -hmm. I would love to ask you, what advice would the Isaiah of today give the Isaiah <laughs> of their past? Oh, my past. Oh, well, my past Isaiah is very present. Um, <clears throat> my little being was very sensitive and soft. And so she's not ready to be on her own. So she kind of lives with me. Um, as, as we know that time isn't, isn't so linear, but I guess what I'm grateful that that little Isaiah has now is freedom. You know, that the way that we're born, the way that we happen to see, even the journey that we take to get there is perfect and not in perfection but it is just exactly where it needs to be and so that little Isaiah has helped me kind of settle where I am now when we get nervous or we step outside of ourselves into feeling like we need to do more give more and it allows us just to slow down to know this is exactly where I'm meant to be well, I absolutely love that. I want to say thank you so much, Isaiah, for your time and for sharing. I uh, really appreciate you. Uh, and maybe we'll have to come back on and have more discussions. But again, thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, and thank you so much. Like when I first met you, I was like, oh, she's just such a light. And I was like, oh, fun. So I'm just really, because we were strangers when I just had this inspiration to yep. leave you this voice message. And I was like, she's going to think I'm nuts. But my heart just said to do it. So I did it. Oh, and no. your response was kind of like when you meet a kindred spirit. It's like, well, there you are. I have been waiting for you. And we're like, yay. Finally. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that warms my heart. Thank you, Isaiah. Thank you so much. You're welcome, sweetie. And that was another episode of A Guided Life Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. And until next time, love and light always. for help on your path to healing? I'm Lisa Campion. I'm a psychic, Reiki master, teacher, and energy healer. On my podcast, The Miracle of Healing, I'm going to help you on your healing path. Listen to conversations with leading teachers in energy medicine, quantum healing, and people who have recovered from loss and illness. Whether it's to take care of your own healing or to help other people, this is the podcast for you right here on mindbodyspirit.fm.